Radio Real. Real Radio, your reality. Welcome to Off the Shelf. The second life radio show and podcast about books and the people who love them. I'm Kigia Garardi. And this is Simeon Beresford. Join us as we survey the literary scene in our virtual world. Welcome to Off the Shelf, the Horror Fest edition. Last season on Off the Shelf, we interviewed Mark Eller. Unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties, we were unable to put it out as a podcast. So we asked Mark back this season. Mark, welcome. And thank you for having me here. Last time we asked you on, it was to talk about your recently published book, Trader. Could you tell us something about it now? Yeah, I can. Trader's a book. And it's been published for about a year, and it's basically a slipstream science fiction novel where uh, the hero, Aaron Turner, can teleport between two different worlds. In one world, he's a cripple. In the other world, he's not a cripple, but he's still small. He's still kind of weak. Um, He's been used to being pushed around his entire life, and that's something he has to overcome. And he has to overcome it in a world where he is vastly outnumbered by women. It's a woman-dominated world. Men are the weaker sex, so there's four to five women per every man. And he's doing it in a sort of backwards culture in a small town on the edge of the frontier. And he's basically there as a spy because the militia that raised him in his original world wants to come in and take over. And Aaron's having a lot of issues with this. He's starting to learn how to make friends. He's learning about love. And he's learning about war and all kinds of other things. And his loyalties are shifting. So he feels like a traitor to the world that has now adopted him. He feels like a traitor to the militia that raised him. And he is basically a rather really screwed up person who has to work through a lot of issues that's a lot larger than he is. You mentioned the he lives in two, not only just lives in two worlds, but he has disabilities in one world. He can move around freely in the other. Is that in any way dis- inspired by any of the stories you hear about people in Second Life? Um, no, I actually wrote this before I encountered Second Life. The reason he's crippled in the first world is because in order to make his talent for teleporting work, the militia put him through a lot of, um, through a large number of operations that hooked up wires, some C4, a lot of electronics, things like that in there. So he... It, it crippled him up. And when he went into the new world, he's not crippled anymore because the rules work differently. Electronics work differently. They actually, they don't work. And so the stuff that was harming him no longer harms him. I believe you sent your The Traitor sequel, Betrayed, off to the editor yesterday. Is yes. It, is it more of Aaron Turner's adventures? Aaron Turner has four books. And Betrayed? 
<clears throat> excuse me, and betrayed, he's left the little town of Last Chance. He can no longer teleport between the two worlds because all the wiring has been taken out of his back. And now he's stuck in one single world. He has no choice in, on the matter. So being stuck in one world, he's uh, leaving a small town because his wife has been killed, his child's been killed. Um, he's feeling betrayed by his the small town, and he goes to the capital of Newark, where a lawyer is taking over his business, which he brought all kinds of books over from the original world with lots of knowledge. So in book two, Betrayed, he has to deal with a native tribe that believes that he helped them lose a war with the country of Isabella, and now they look to him as the savior. There's religious elements starting to come in. He has the Isabellan government that now wants to attack him and take away the power that they gave him with a bunch of legal agreements. He has the lawyer that's trying to run his life. He has people who came in from the original world who are trying to come in and destroy his life. He has uh, sex slavers who come in. They basically uh, want to use him for breeding purposes. And a few other issues, which he kind of gets through when a psychiatrist, a self-made psychiatrist, starts psychoanalyzing him and using him as their first test subject. Lots of complexity in the new book. Lots of layers. Yeah, every book has layers in it that fold into the books that are following. It was easy to do since I wrote all four of them in a row before the first one was published, and so I would go back and make changes so that everything tied together. I have people who have brief appearances in the first book who show up uh, really large in the following books. Um, and people in the last book who are, who are just mentioned two or three lines in the first book. And the religious element just gets stronger and stronger throughout until in the end it's the major issue. Was that something that was in the... You wrote the stories several years ago then. Uh, have you changed by adding the religious element or anything else as you've rewritten them? Um, you know, actually, they've remained pretty stable throughout. Uh, the stories are pretty much the way I wrote them originally, except for the few changes I would go back to tie them in tighter together. I knew where I wanted to go from the very start. I knew I wanted four books. I knew where I wanted each of the four books to take place, and I knew how I wanted them to go. So they've been pretty stable. Great. I understand that your Hello? publisher, Swimming Kangaroo, is closing its doors. How has that affected your plans for the series? And that has put a real lug wrench in it. Um, they are publishing the first and the second book of a four-book series. That's uh, kind of awkward. So I'm going to either have to self-publish the final two books or I'm going to have to try to find a home for the last two books. And that's going to be a little difficult. And on top of that, I also lost three contracts for my God War series. Which um, I... We haven't talked about the God War series. Tell us a little bit more about that world that you created. Okay, God Wars is a dark fantasy trilogy. I wrote it with a partner who I met really about 12 years ago, Liz Van Zant, who is a very, very good writer. I 
in a lot of ways, I think now she's better than me, even though when we first started out, I was kind of her mentor. But she has really taken off. Um, God Wars is basically a war between the gods of hell and the virtuous gods, which it turns out they are not really gods. They were humans who have been changed by nanotechnology. The gods of hell live in hollows within the earth where they were shoved by the virtuous gods. And in God Wars, since, you know, anytime the gods fight, it's going to destroy the earth. The virtuous gods are using avatars on earth. They're using, uh, they're using thieves. They're using spawn that they turned into heroes. They're using thieves. Uh, I already said thieves. But, yeah, they're, they're using uh, bandits. They're using, uh, even using demons and other spawn to take care of this. So, yes, it, it's a three-book trilogy, and all the stories are semi-independent throughout the beginning and towards the end. They all tie together with all the characters to come to one giant crescendo finale. I was going to ask you about Spoon Kangaroo Press. They're the ones that published Traitor. I understand that they're closing down. Is that going to affect your plans for the series? Yeah, the economy crashed, so they had no choice but to close the doors. And they said that all the books that were in the process of being published at that time, they were going to continue with the publishing process. The ones that hadn't had work started on them yet were going to have to be let go. Swimming Kangaroo, I have no problems with them at all. I understand completely. They are absolutely, absolutely fantastically great. They took a chance on an author who was unheard of and put out money for me to put out books and, you know, took big chances. Yeah. So. Yeah. And they've got some reputable authors on their books as well. They took Fly by Night and Bands. They just took risks. <laughs> yes. How you get at places. Oh, well. Um, but your run of bad luck continued in other ways. Like you were in hospital for quite a while last year. You know, tell, tell us about that. We want the gory details because this is horror fest. Well, there I was, full of ambition, full of energy. I had just finished getting the seven book contracts. I um, had pod, uh, just finished out putting out the Trader podcast. I had started a blog talk radio show, had all kinds of things going on, and I went on vacation to Tennessee. And while I was in Tennessee, I went zip lining. And when I went zip lining, I wore open shoes and I got a bug bite of some sort or other. They don't know what kind of bug. They just know I got bit by a bug that gave me a undetermined bacterial infection that put me in the hospital for eight days with a whole lot of really heavy, massive antibiotics. My leg turned black from my ankle to my knee. So there was a at the start, there was a possibility I was going to buy the farm. A little bit later, there was a possibility I was going to lose my leg. And after eight days, they said, up, oh, he's responding. They sent me home with a heart cath, and then I had... Uh, several weeks after that where I was still taking heavy antibiotics with the heart cath. I had a number of memory problems that were associated with it because of the high fever. 
I was weak as a cat, and it took me several months to recover enough to where I had some ambition and was able to go out and start doing things again. But you've definitely picked up in the last month or so. We noticed on Farmville. <laughs> yeah, on Farmville, because my wife does Farmville. And I said, you know what, I'll do something with you. And it ended up I quit doing everything else and that I was doing on Facebook and went to straight Farmville. <laughs> um, but on the off hours, it's been a little bit more than a month. I've been... Uh, working on the edit of Trader, the second Trader, for about four months now, and did some edits on God Wars and had a few other projects going on. So, well, one of those projects is a new writing group. Can you tell us something about the project you're working on with them? Uh, right now, it's a writing group that I formed or helped form when a bunch of people came to a conference room for. Um, a uh, little online uh, writing project that was going on. And we formed Right Now, which is a local writing group. And so far, there's only about six of us at the moment. We have poets, we have uh, novelists, we have children's writers. And everyone but one has been previously published. Um, a couple of them have been published half a dozen times which was really nice to find, you know, other authors in my area who have been published. Yes. And one of the projects we want to work on is a tween book for, you know, basically children who are somewhere in the 10 to 13 age range, and a bunch of short stories for them as sort of a group effort. That seems like a different focus from what you usually write. What, what, help, what led you to that audience? <laughs> the guy in the group who said he wanted to write the tween book. And I got to <laughs> tell you, it is definitely different. Um, you know, I write dark fantasy. I write science fiction, often adult-oriented science fiction. Uh, apparently, I write horror because people kept telling me I write horror, so I actually started writing horror. Um, a tween book? Well, it, it was really difficult for me to take my head down and write something for that age group. I wrote one story. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. I took it up, showed it to my wife. Her face screwed up in some strange lines. I took it to work, showed it to a guy there. Um, he was cruel enough and honest enough to give me his honest opinion. And I looked at it, and I said, oh, my God, this is crap. <laughs> because it really was. <laughs> So, so I sat down and I spent another week on a completely different story, writing it in a completely different way. And both my previous um, detractors liked it a whole lot better. So. so what does writing for this audience do for you as a writer? How does it, I am assuming it stretches you. And that's basically what it what it is. It's stretching out my capabilities, stretching out the way I think and the way I approach things. I have been writing in dark areas for so long that that's become very easy for me. Writing something that's light and airy and using words that 
you know, are understandable to the younger audience. That, that was a pull for me. But it was fun. It's all fun. Uh, you know, we're not getting rich doing this, the, but it's fun writing. It's fun promoting. It's fun editing. It's fun connecting with everybody else. It's basically one heck of a good hobby. So, um, yeah, I'm to- <laughs> could I ask you about that reality TV show you were, you were advising on? Um, uh, the right stuff. That's right. The right stuff. Yeah, that was another thing. When when I got well after being sick, I found out that I'd lost the seven book contracts and only had two. Um, <coughs> excuse me. My uh, blog talk radio show went bust because for several months I was not able to attend to it and the scheduled guest went away. And uh, the right stuff lost their book publisher. It turned out that the person that they had for a book publisher was very small and could only put out 500 books every three months. And they did it at home on their kitchen table. And so he put it on hiatus for a while, found another book publisher, uh, has some more advertising, and started doing it as a webcast. But it had some more problems, so it went on hiatus again for a while, and it's just had a new episode come out this week. He still has hopes of getting it on television, but I don't know what's going to be going on with it. Either way, the guy is a dynamo, he's a hard worker, and he always has ideas going. It's an interesting premise. Um, It's how many hopeful writers? You know, it's been so long, I don't remember the exact number. I think it was 10 or a dozen uh, writers. Some of them had actually been previously published. And the winner of the competition was getting a marketing campaign and a free book contract. And, you know, there's a computer and a few other little things also added in there. I got involved with it originally um, because I just wrote them and said, hey, I really like this idea. And uh, can I help you out? I had a little bit of contact with him because he reviewed my book, which incidentally he loved. Um, Before I did this, he named my book a top 30 read for the summer. And he ended up naming a a top 100 read for the year. But after I got in contact with him, I also helped him land a New York Times bestselling writer on the show and did a number of other things for him and did some uh, motivational minutes recorded to be put on the show. So we'll see how that comes out once we get to the segments I'm on. Excellent. Well, we're going to take a break, but before we do, we have another book giveaway this week, an electronic version of Emron Rich's Night's Nights. During the promo and music that's going to follow, send me an IM to be part of the drawing, and we'll announce the winner at the end of the show. But now we're going to listen to Wicked by Scream Machine. Scream Machine performed at Horrorfest last night, and you can find out more about them at graveconcernsezine.com.
A world-jumping, teleporting, magic-using, slipstream science fiction novel written by Mark Eller and chosen by Conversations Book Club as a top 20 read for summer 2009. Published by Swimming Kangaroo Books and now released as a podcast. Last Chance. A small town set on the edge of the far frontier. It is a place of gentle manners and common civility. Times change when a talent master runs rampant, savages threaten war, and an illegal militia from an alternate universe plans invasion and empire. A hero is needed, a savior. Meet Aaron Turner, the small, unassuming man who runs the last chance general store. He is this town's, this world's only hope. Unfortunately, Aaron also happens to be a soldier and spy whose job is to prepare the ground for the malicious invasion. To help him with his task, he has a cellar filled with advanced weaponry and the unique ability to teleport between the two worlds. But after a year of living within last chance, Aaron is no longer sure in which direction his loyalties lie. Traitor by Mark Eller that promo should have given you a little bit of an idea of what's on Trader right now, if you want to go out and purchase that book. Um, Mark, Mercy Bend is a real favorite with your podcast fans. And I understand Emran Rich talked you into doing an episode of it for Horror Addicts? Yeah, she did. Um, I don't know if she specifically wanted the Mercy Bend story, but she asked me to write a story with slime in it. And she asked me eventually to use one of the characters in Mercy Bent, who is Miss Twill. Miss Twill is perfect for slime because she is a mutable being. Her, she can shift and change her form at will as long as she has the uh, correct energy, which we will not go into at this point on this show. But, <laughs> but Miss Twill and the Mercy Bent characters are mostly evil twisted people who do mean things and the unfortunately they're the protagonists because the antagonists are even more evil and twisted and do meaner things so like the wraith on that one is a person who likes to steal and he likes to kill and he gets a great deal of physical pleasure when bad things happen to bad people when it happens to good people, it harms him. This is a psychic ability that was given to him when he was in the uh, Mercy Bend Psychiatric Hospital being experimented on. So even though he really likes to do bad things to everybody, he avoids doing it to good people because it causes him harm. Miss Twill, originally when she was a teenager, plucked out her own eyes because she wanted to know what it felt like to be blind. And she went on from there to join up with a partner and 
go out and have fun killing people. And then she was captured by Dr. Wise in the Mercy Bend Hospital and was treated with nano and her body was changed and, you know, she went on to do even worse things. And yet they're the good people on the show. <laughs> and people, wonder, and then you wonder why people think you write horror. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't read horror. I didn't watch horror. I just had a twisted mind. <laughs> Did you read horror now? Uh, a little bit, yes, I do now. And, yeah, I have to agree, I write horror. I just didn't realize it at the time. So most of your work appears in podcasts, first of all. Do you think that influences the way you write? Does the media change your style? Well, Traitor was written before I started podcasting. God Wars was two-thirds finished before I started podcasting. Mercy Bend wasn't. Uh, so I would say that it definitely definitely changed my style for Mercy Bend. When I am writing a story now, I often think about where I'm going to put in the sound effects, where I'm going to put in the music, how I'm going to set the mood for the Mercy Bend stories. So that definitely has made a change. Mm -hmm. What about voices? Do you ever think, well, I can't do that because I wouldn't be able to do the voice? Not really, because, first of all, I have a Diamond Voice Changer program, which allows me, if I care to go through the bother of using it, to change my voice to actually match that of a number of actors and supposedly actresses, although when I tried to change it to a female voice, I got to tell you, it's a really horrible female voice. Um when I'm just doing it on audacity and changing my voice on my own, well, you know, if you want a, a masculine female voice, that's what you're going to get. I can change some of it on uh, audacity by, by changing the pitch up and down. I have used mixers to create a lot of different effects. And basically, it's just another part of the fun of doing all this. How about accents? Are you, do you ever think, can you do the engines kind of take its cat and some Scottish? <laughs> I cannot do an accent. I am married to a southern woman and I cannot do a southern accent. Now, I should say I can't do them on purpose. If I'm in the area, if I'm around people, who and immersed in people who are talking with accents, I will sometimes pick up their accent. But as soon as I'm home, it's gone. Any kind of accent I try to create on my own is not very good. Well, what else are you doing with Emran? Well, Emran and I were both invited to write a story for the John Payne. Uh, fan cast. John Payne is, of course, in the band Asia. And a fellow uh, person by the name of Jerry er uh, Ernselt uh, contacted us and asked us if we would do it. And it has to be based on a song by Asia. And I cheated. I asked him to send me a song because I couldn't have named any of the titles that Asia does. I, when I listen to music, I will recognize it, but I don't know what the titles of it are. So I was sent Darkness Day, 
which I thought fit pretty well. And so I created a short story titled Darkness Day, which is basically at the end of the world where the moon is closing in on the earth and is going to crash into the earth. And a bunch of people think that they have an idea of how to put the moon back in place, which is by doing a human sacrifice to a burning god inside a bonfire. And there is a burning god there. And the human sacrifice turns out to be the protagonist of the story. And he ends up getting saved from it by a wolf who turns out to actually be Anubis, the Egyptian god, who has been shadowing him and protecting him only for the reason that the end of days was coming and Anubis wanted to dine on some truly innocent flesh and this guy was the closest thing he had. So he wasn't letting his brother God get him. Anubis grabbed him, took him off and dined on him on his own. Oh, that's the happy. Right. Yeah, I, I, I don't write dark stuff at all. <laughs> is that going to be out in print or is it going to be a podcast? How is it going to be available to people? It's being podcast for the John Payne uh, fan cast. And I don't know if it's going to be in print. I never thought about submitting it. I've had several short stories that have been printed in the last couple of years, but I don't actually write short stories to submit for several years now. The ones that were published were because I was approached and asked to submit to the magazines, and so I did. But I haven't actually sought publication in uh, short fiction for quite a while. We will link out to the podcast on the show notes so people can check it out when they have time. But before we end today's show, let's announce the winner of Night's Nights, and that is going to Tiernan Ghost Raven. Yay! Tiernan will put you in contact with Ems, and she'll get information from you so that you can get your copy of the book. Okay. And I would like to say I hardly endorse Night's Nights. Uh, Even though I know Imran well, I read the book, I listened to the podcast, and it's a really good read. It's a good podcast. She's very talented. She is. We listened to her, um, the the start of her school last night. It's very good. Yes. I think she's improving the, the second book. looks to, the shapes is shaping up to be even better than the first. Uh, so, if you want to download Mark's podcast or find out more about his projects, visit his website, hellholetavern.com. I'm sure he'd appreciate it if you bought his books while you're there. Mark, thank you for being our guest. Thank you for having me on. We'll see you all next week. Off the Shelf is produced for Radio Real by Kegia Gerardi and Simeon Beresford. Technical production is by Radio Real. You can find Radio Real on the web at radioreal.org. Music on this program includes works by artists on the Magnatune label. The music in the general introduction is John Playford's All in a Garden Green by Eileen Hadidian and Natalie Cox from their album Dolce Musica, A Contemplative Journey. The -the off-the-shelf theme music is 1,500 Tons by Burning Babylon from the album Stereo Mashup. And we bid you goodbye with this piece, Hagagasan 14 by Eternal Jazz Project. 
from their album, Gratis Jazz. You can learn more about Magnatune and their artists on their website at magnatune.com. Off the Shelf is licensed under Creative Commons.